Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, we thank you tonight for your goodness in this place. We thank you, Lord, that we know you and that you saved us and you called us and that you're preparing us, Lord, that we might serve you, that we might live eternally with you. We pray, Father God, that we would understand the things that concern eternity, even as we visit the restoration of the inspection gate. Father, we pray that we would understand why you named this gate that and why we need to be prepared the day we return home to eternity. So as we open up the scriptures and we just are able to read and, and, and see the things that you have placed there for our search, we pray that they would become reality and that we would not be deceived, that we would not walk according to the winds that blow on these times upon the earth, Lord, but that we would be heavenly minded and that we would be not conformed to this earth, but that we would be renewed in our understanding so that we can know your will and your desire, which is perfect and good and acceptable. And allow these words to minister to our spirit so that we could uh, really focus and determined to set our heart in homeward bound, Father, that we might be found blameless before you at your coming, Lord, and that as we see your word being fulfilled, that we would be on the uh, rewarding side of your judgment, that we would be on the mercy side of your judgment, that we would be on the salvation side of your judgment. As your judgment comes, Lord, Father, we pray that we might escape of the things that will befall the earth, Lord. And Father, we pray that you're work and your spirit is sufficient to perfect us even unto the day of your coming bless your word and prosper it as as it goes forth and father that did not return void that we not fail to understand in jesus name we pray amen when we began to understand nehemiah chapter three it's the story of jerusalem and Chapters 1 and 2 is Nehemiah's heart focused upon the city of God. And we get to Jerusalem and he sees that the walls are in ruins. They're fallen. The doors are broken and burned. And he begins to restore that city. And we know that the things in the Old Testament are, are types and signs and symbols and shadows of the things to come. And we believe that the city of God in the Old Testament, Jerusalem, is the actual church of the living God, the city of God, the bride of Christ. And as he goes around the city, he's repairing all these gates. He finally comes to the last gate that was repaired in Nehemiah chapter 3. And it was called the gate of inspection. It was the gate of examination. It had names of the Hebrew name as Mikkod, which means a place where things are weighed or uh, appointed, accounts are balanced. Uh, things are carried out with the idea of an in, taking inventory, taking accounts, being able to weigh things on a balance. And the typology is that they would go out to war through the horse gate, out to battle, and they would, they would come against their enemies, they would fight the battles of the Lord, and when the battle was over, as they returned to the city, they returned and they came in through the inspection gate. 
And there, each man, according to what happened in battle, in his time at war, whether it was three months, six months out, two years out, as he returned from battle, he would come through the inspection gate and now was rewarded for his efforts at, on the field, uh, according to his actions. And one of the things that happens here is a judging. And, and, and a lot of people hate judging. Last night as I was watching um, Joseph Prince from Singapore, one of the greatest preachers now in the land, and he's speaking on grace, there wasn't one time that he spoke on the judgment of God. There wasn't one time that he considered and balanced the truth of God in this area. But Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 says, Let us pass the elementary teachings of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let us quit all the ABCs. Let us stop just considering first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, elementary. It's all the simple principles of Christ. Let us go on to more maturity, to perfection. Not laying down just the fundamental uh, teachings of repentance and dead works and faith towards God. And then it says there with uh, verse 2, let us go past the teachings of baptisms. We, we need to understand what the baptisms are for. Baptism of water, baptism of the Holy Spirit, baptism of fire. And he says, let's stop laying the basic teachings of laying on of the hands and how important it is to impart healing and, and prophecy and callings through the laying on of the hands. And then he says, and the resurrection of the dead, how people rise from that condition of having passed away. There's different orders of resurrections. And we know that Jesus Christ was that first order. He was the first fruit among many, the Bible says. And so we need to understand resurrections. But it finalizes and it says, let us stop or let us, let us once and for all understand the last principle of an elementary teaching talking about eternal judgment. And this is one aspect of our Christianity that we need to understand. And it's very customary all over Scripture how... Um, our God is a righteous, say with me, righteous judge. And, and let me ask you something. What does a judge do? It, he renders judgment. That's what a judge does. And he's a righteous God and he will judge. And he's going to sit in a place and he will weigh out and he will take inventory and he will inspect and he will examine and he will, he will demand of you that you would be found blameless. He, would, he will stand before you as a great judge. And, and so there's nothing that you need to worry about because He's made provision for your innocence. He's made provision for your forgiveness. He's made provision so that all your rebellion and disobedience and everything you've ever messed up on, it, 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 it is rendered um, uh, not guilty. You're not responsible. He's paid the price. And this is, this is the reality of this judgment. And so we need to understand that our God, because some people will tell you, well, I don't think my God is like that. I don't believe in a God like that. Well, then you have to sit there and tell Satan, who was judged as an angel in, on, in the front side of eternity, he was eternally condemned because there was a condition of his heart. And we see God judging all, not only Satan, but a third of the angels that were cast out of heaven because the righteous judge determined that this was the right thing to do. And so even as you look back in eternity, you see that God judges Lucifer 
because of the corruption of his heart. He had, a, uh, like Omar Jr. says, an eye problem. It was all about him. He was selfish. Me, myself, and I. He was only thinking about himself. And, and let, let's not only consider the fact that there is such a teaching, which is elementary concept of judgment, but that God is a God who's a righteous judge, and a righteous judge will judge. And not only is, is that a reality concept that you need to understand, and that God is a judge, but that he has already begun to judge certain aspects of people's lives. This year has been a year of judgment for those who have not walked in grace. And so it's a scary thing. And I, I tell them all the time. I said, don't play with God. Do, do not think that God is going to overlook a matter because in one twinkling of an eye, the judgment of God comes down and it's a done deal. And so it could be in any area of your life that you're walking worthy of the judgment of God and, and trust me, you do not want to be on that, on that reality. You don't want to suffer loss because you thought that God was going to overlook a matter. And so the same thing is this, and the concept is Balaam that is coming to curse the people of God, right? And he's riding on his donkey, and all of a sudden the donkey falls to the ground and says, I'm not moving another step. And Balaam is kicking him. Come on! Get up! And what happens? She turns around and talks to Balaam, and she says, hey, dummy, there is an angel right here about to cut your head off. Because he has removed his sword from his sheath and he's about to knock your head off. And so I'm not taking another step. If you want to, you can. And so we need to understand that there are times and seasons where God is going to drop the, the gavel. He's going to drop the sword. And that's what the dropping the sword is. It's, it, he says that God is ready for judgment and his sword is lifted up. And so in different aspects of our life, different aspects of our ministry, of our family, you don't want to be on the side of uh, being the recipient of God's judgment on your life. And it seems that some people, I was saying that today, it seems that some people will only move when judgment comes. They, they, they just push the envelope until the judgment comes. And we shouldn't be that type of people. We should be the type of people that God could say, you know, here, have grace, not judgment, and grace moves you. Que rico. And not the judgment of God. Uh, one man, I, I said, you're going to lose your son. You're going to lose your son. You're being so irresponsible. You're being so neglectful. The little son was a baby, and they would, they would just abandon it. They would just leave it behind. I said, you're going to lose your son. You're going to lose your... And that's the goodness of God. The grace of God should lead you to Repentance. For you to say, hey, God's been telling us for a while. Let's move in that direction while it's all happy and we're all together. Because he's speaking to us. Let's not let judgment come. And sure enough, the son dies. And he drowns in the canal. And it was God saying, you guys aren't worthy of having a son because you don't take care of him. And so the son was five years old and he's gone. And, and at that time of judgment... Um, it's the righteous judgment of God. He knows that that is the best thing that could happen compared to what's going to happen if we continue to go in the direction of rebellion, disobedience, or ignorance. And, and so that's so that we could understand judgment. And so we see him judge Satan, and then we see in the Garden of Eden that God judged man and woman. 
And he came and he judged. It was, they call it the Adamic um, judgment. The Eden, uh, something about Eden. That, that, that was the day that God says, come here. He called men to account. And so the inspection gate is that we should judge ourselves we, so that we're not condemned with the world. We should consider and weigh these things before God comes and slices the pie. And so you should really, in your life, like David did in, in, in Psalm 26, he says these words, he's Lord, he says, Lord, examine me and make sure that I'm walking the way I should walk because I don't want to be a recipient of judgment. And so those people that need judgment so they can make decisions, that's sad. But look what he says here in Psalm 26, verse 2. He tells God, examine me, O Lord, and show me to be right. Try my mind and my heart. Come and, and weigh my heart, weigh my mind, weigh what I'm doing. I want to know where I'm at. And I, I don't want to receive any other thing than, than your counsel and your grace. I, I want you to examine me, and, and, and this is good. This is, this is what it says there in, in 1 Corinthians 11, where it says, if we, if we judge ourselves, uh, if we examine ourselves, let each man examine himself so he's not condemned. And we see that in 1 Corinthians 11. And we see it, um, verse 28, let each man examine himself. And let him participate, let him go on with life uh, according to being able to weigh his heart because if he doesn't weigh his heart, verse 29, for he who eats and drinks in a manner that is wrong is drinking and causing judgment to come upon himself because he did not discern. He wasn't able to see what he was doing. That's another word for inspection. You discern. Discern is weighing. Is is trying to draw that line between right and wrong. And then he finishes up in verse 31 saying, For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we, the Lord disciplines us so that we are not ultimately condemned. And I always say on this side of eternity, I'd rather get my papaos here. I'd rather God deal with me here and not get to the gate and him say, it's not open. There's no accent. And this is an aspect of the, of the reality of eternity. Uh, we do this all the time. All this type of, of, of trying to figure out how we're going to do these things. This word judgment is based upon the, the Greek word, the Hebrew word, krino, krisis. It talks about... Uh, uh, from pronouncing judgment, it talks about uh, uh, well, how much value you give a thing, how many rewards, um, what, what is, is going to happen with respect to uh, a judge who, who declares good, bad, indifferent. And so a lot of people do not like judgment. They don't like to come to church. They don't like to hear judgment. They, they even invent religions where there is no judgment. And I don't know if you've ever heard about something called reincarnation. That means we're going to live, do whatever we want, we're going to die, and then we'll live again, and then we'll die again, and we'll live again, and die again, and there's never any judgment. But the Bible says in Hebrews 9.27 that it is appointed for man, all men, to die, and then comes judgment. Uh, um, Hebrews 9.27. Yeah, so it gives, it gives you even the number of, of times you get to die is once. You're not going to have multiple tries at this. So you only got one chance to get it right and to live in such a way that you fear God and do it right before judgment comes. 
And, and a lot of people won't uh, get serious with God until they suffer judgment. They won't listen to God until judgment comes. But here, Hebrews 9.27, it it, and as it has, is appointed for men to die once, and after this death comes judgment. Comes, they have to stand before God and give an account. So all these people that are sitting there believing in reincarnation, uh, they should listen to God a little bit closer. You die once, and then you go before God. And so uh, Paul writes like this in 1 Corinthians 3.13. It says, For all men's work will be accounted and known and declared on that day because the fire of God, 1 Corinthians 3.13, the fire of God will examine and critically appraise and take worth of the character of the work each man has done. God is going to sit there and weigh it. Just, look, I, and and one, of the, one of my friends was given half a million dollars. And instead of grabbing that half a million dollars and working for the Lord, she grabbed half a million dollars and went to go buy a German horse. She put $500,000 in a German horse. She loved horses. And she becomes a Christian later on. And she says, I'm in trouble. I'm going to stand before God with the money he gave me. And I bought a horse. And the horse died. So I'm going to have to stand before God to give an account for that which he gave me to do while I was upon the earth. Um, it's sad to see our reality. And our reality is that when, we, when our work is, you know, before God and is judged according to the character of the appraisal of God. Um, verse 14 says, If the work which any man has built on the foundation um, survives the test, he will have a reward. If any man's work which he has built on it endures the inspection, he will have a reward. But if any man's work, verse 15, is burned up, it's useless, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So uh, last year, a man came up to me. He says, Pastor, I got my letter from the church of what I gave last year. And it was just a couple hundred bucks. And he says, I didn't just give a couple hundred bucks. I said, Brother, you might have thought that you gave a lot more. But at the time of inspection, what reveals is that you missed half of the meetings throughout the year. You didn't even come to church. So in your mind, you were there every Sunday, you were there every week, you participated in giving, but this is reality. And so he was confronted with reality. He cried, his wife cried, the children cried, everybody cried. Because in their mind, they thought they had done more with the time they had. They had done more with the money God had given. And, and I don't know about you, but we know what an exam, well, that's why we don't like teachers anymore, because they examine us. Oh, they come with that grade. You got an F, buddy. What do you mean I got an F? Yeah, this is reality. You're getting, this is the truth of what you have learned this semester. This is the, the attention you have paid. This is the participation you've had. And you were not present. You were tardy. You, you were absent. You were lazy. You were forgetful. And so that, that big F comes, that big zero. And you're like, why did this happen? And so I want to tell you that that the inspection gate in restoring the gates that prevail is so important because we get ahead of time to understand that this is going to happen. That we are going to have to give an account how we treat our husbands. The women can say amen. <laughs> and how the husbands treat their wives. The men are all... All right? So the, the, and you know what? You can do whatever you want. 
You could act like no one's looking. You could act like it doesn't matter that you could tell them, jerk, and then nobody saw that. Guess what? They're going to play it on a video, and you're going to see it in eternity. And it says right here was a real, this is God revealing the hearts. What nobody saw, what nobody heard, what nobody, we were so formal, hallelujah. And at church, you were cussing like a sailor. I mean, at home. At home, you were cussing like a sailor. You, you looked like a gorilla. You were walking in, 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 in your own self-righteousness. And everything is going to be revealed on that day. The day of inspection. The day that the fire will come. And it will be a dreadful day. The Bible says that that day in God's presence. I have a, a little verse that I've added here on the book. You'll see it in Isaiah 33 verse 14. He says, what will sinners do on that day? You know, that you see them at happy hour. But on that day, what will sinners do? And it says they'll be afraid. And fear has seized the heart of hypocrites. Because they stand before the everlasting dwellings and burnings. Who among us shall dwell in that fiery inspection? And that fire that is blazing on the throne of God, God himself, the Bible says, is consuming fire. And he sits there to be able to weigh the hearts of all men, the thoughts of all men. The, the, the efforts of all men. Who among us shall dwell with devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell in this everlasting burnings? And it tells us what? It tells us the qualifying nature and characteristics of those that will dwell in that eternal dwelling place. Verse 15, where it says, those that, have, that walk righteously, those whose mouth speak uprightly, who despise taking advantage of others, the gain of oppression, whose gestures with his hands, have you ever made any bad gestures with your hands? Let's kill them, you know? And all the gestures and all the, like they said the other day, the international sign, and, um, everything. And Joey was talking about the international finger last week and uh, refusing to take bribes, refusing to compromise, refusing to negotiate your walk with God. You're, you're every day, I'd rather be dead than disobey God. I'd rather die than be unfaithful. I'd rather stick it, you know, to the end with God. And, and so that's what he who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed, violence, things that are out of order. Um, you know, you don't have to take it, uh, you know, the, the bloodshed might be uh, practical in many, in many other countries, but just any form, when things are out of balance, remember that violence means out of order. It could be your television. You, you need to turn off your television. It could be a movie you walk out of. It could be a, a music you're listening to. You don't want to participate of anything that is out of order. You, you, you can't receive that. And you shut your eyes from seeing evil. You, you disregard uh, being part of things that are done wrong. So this is the, the, those are the ones that qualify to be in His presence. And those are the ones that qualify to not be fearful on the day of judgment. And so we see that this is a reality. And even the prophets of old, as they all understood judgment, um, one of the incredible judgments was uh, Genesis chapter 7, the judgment of the destruction of the world through the flood. And that was a judgment of God. And it was upon the earth and it was evidenced. People say, well, did the Noah's Ark really happen? Look, they have found the, the uh, fossils of fish at the height of the highest mountain. How do you find fish at the peaks of the highest mountains on the earth if the world was not covered with water? 
That means there were fish swimming up there. Why? Because water covered the whole earth. And so scientists cannot say this was not a reality, a historical event. The, 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 the Noah's flood and Noah's ark and, and, and that first flood that destroyed the world is there in Genesis chapter 7, verse 12. On the very day Noah entered the ark, Genesis 7, 12, accompanied by his sons, Shem, Ham, and Hephet, Along with his wife and his son's three wives, they entered along with every living creature of its kind. And they were there on the boat. Pairs of all creatures that have, been, have the breath of life came into the, dark, uh, to the ark to Noah. In verse 16, it says, Those that entered were male and female, just as command, God commanded them. Then the Lord shut him in. That, that, that was judgment for those that were outside of that ark. And I don't know, you know, one of the judgments also that we see in the Bible uh, was Israel not being able to go into the promised land. God shut the door. He says, you guys are going to perish in the desert because you didn't believe. And, and we need to be cautioned about God saying, you know something, you didn't believe what I had for you, you're not going to receive it. You won't walk in. And you have the, the judgment of God over Moses' life. He says, you're not going in because your heart was full of wrath and you, you, did, you, weren't, you didn't walk in my purpose. And so you see judgment after judgment. And, um, and so we know that God not only is going to judge at the end of the age, He judges now. In Ecclesiastes 12.14, it was something that everybody knew. The preacher in Ecclesiastes 12.14 says, For God shall bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing. It doesn't matter if it's good or bad. We, we talked about the judgment of Achan on how he took the Babylonian mantle and the piece of gold. And, and God says, you're not going to progress anymore until you deal with the sin in the camp. And so they had to find the, the tribe, the clan, the family. They found Achan and they, they rendered judgment. He, he tells them to exterminate that man who was disobedient uh, amongst the people of Israel. And, and all these judgments that we see throughout the Bible... Um, since the beginning of time, in Romans 1.18, it says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of the people who suppress truth by their unrighteousness. Because being able to know God, and God made it plain for Him to be known, and all creation uh, talk about His invisible attributes, His eternal power, His divine nature could be clearly seen. It's obvious. I had a guy in... in uh, last week here at Best Buy, we went into Best Buy and he says, how do you know God exists? I said, look at your eyeball. Your eyeball's fascinating. If somebody created that, that means there's a creator. I said, look at Best Buy. Do you think this was made by somebody or it just happened? Somebody built this. If this is here, it's because somebody built it. If your eyes could see, somebody built it. There's a creator. And so you can know that God exists by his creation. It says here, even though they are without excuse, Although they should have known God, they decided not to glorify Him nor to give Him thanks, and they were futile, vain in their thoughts. And so this, the Bible says that the wrath of God is revealed against these people. As Jesus was teaching His followers, He taught several uh, really important aspects. He taught, when the kingdom of God comes the sheep will be placed at my right hand. The goats shall be placed on my left. He's giving you a, one of those previews of coming attractions like they do at the theaters. This is coming to a theater near you. 
There'll be one day that God will either put you on his right or on his left. You're either a sheep or a goat. And you need to decide now what you're going to be. And they wanted to understand. They said, who are we? When are we a sheep? When are we a goat? He says, when you serve me, when you reach out to the poor, when you give the hungry, when you give the thirsty, when you clothe the needy, when you visit in prison, you've done it to them. It's like you did it to me. And the goat said, and, and why are we goats? He says, because you never saw someone needy. You never saw someone hungry. You never f- clothed somebody. You never visited somebody in prison. You never went to, to take care of somebody from another country. You were all about you. You never saw anything. You're a goat when you don't see anything. And that's, that's a discernment. That's a judgment. And he tells, he says to the, to the right, the judgment was, enter into the everlasting uh, rest of your Lord. And he opens up the heavens to them. And then to the left, he tells to the, to the ghost, he says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I don't want to know you. And that was a judgment on these people. And it was a sign of, of us, of the people that are here upon the earth. And when he gives the, the parable of the virgins, he says five were wise, five were foolish. Five came in, five did not. He's judging. He's, he's putting it right down the lane, telling us that he's a God who judges. And I don't know what book these preachers have been reading that, that say that God doesn't judge. For Jesus himself says in Matthew 10, 15, Verily I say to you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city that did not want to let God come in. So he talks about uh, it's going to be really ugly for some cities, far worse than other bad cities. In Matthew eleven twenty four, 24, he says, But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom on that day of judgment than for you. Sodom is not going to see it so bad as you're going to see it on that day of judgment. And so we see all these examples throughout scriptures. I don't want to uh, delay this, but we are told, the Bible does tell us in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourself. Don't, Don't wait for that day. Put yourself on the balance. Have you ever gone to a teacher before an exam and say, I want to make sure I know this. I want to make sure that, that this is the way it's done. So I don't want to get burned on that day that I'm examined. So this is what we're doing now. We're, we're making sure, examining ourselves, testing whether we have legitimate faith. Uh, in the last days, it's getting really screwy. It's getting really twisted how people uh, say, I'm getting married and a gay priest is marrying me and that we're all going to heaven. And the Bible says no. The Bible says they will not enter in. They, that, that judgment on that day is going to be a rude awakening on that day. And so Paul says, do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are already disqualified? You're already missing the boat. And you know why they're missing the boat? Because their heart has become stubborn. Romans 2.5. I, I want to tell you something tonight as a preacher and as a, as a, a proclaimer of these things. Not a lot of people do this. Some people tonight are, are signing record labels and they're signing movie contracts and they're looking over blueprints and they're reviewing engineering see even if i'm up here right now talking about these things some people will not listen some people just decide to to fade out and tune out this reality but here romans 2 5 says in accordance with the hardness of your heart that refuses to repent the more that that word comes and you're like 
I'm still going to stand my ground. I'm still going to walk contrary to what they're telling me. I'm going to not listen. It's not going to affect my life. It's not going to influence me. He says, because of this, the only thing that's happening is you're treasuring, you're, you're hoarding up wrath. The more you do that which doesn't please God, that wrath is growing and it's growing. The more you refuse to repent, the more you refuse to come to Jesus, the more you refuse to come to the table and fix accounts. He wants you to do that. He's going to make sure there's no excuse on that day. You're only treasuring for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of righteous judgment of God. That day when God sees all things and knows all things and reveals all things, all you're doing is wrath is growing. And, and some of us should not wait for that day. We should not have such a hard heart. Um, I've seen the faithfulness of God. I've seen how God speaks. Um, he speaks in Japanese. He speaks in Korean. He speaks in Spanish, in English, in, in every complex language to make sure man has no excuse. To make sure that they, uh, you know, I was thinking, I said, the Lord could have come and he could have blown us away with a whole bunch of incredible depth of spirituality. And he spoke to us as children so that we, would, we wouldn't miss it. Let's see the next verse, verse 6. He will give to each man according to what he has done. Simple and, and plain. Each man will receive according to the intensity of what they have done. I used to have a friend of mine at the college when I was going to college, and every day he would wait for me early, early on campus, and he would ask me a question. Hey, Joaquin, what's the Bible say about this? And I would tell him. Hey, Joaquin, and what does God say about this? And I would tell him. I spent a whole year, almost every day, telling him what the Bible says. The next year, you know what I told him? He was waiting for me. He says, hey, Joaquin, what's it? I said, listen, I'm not going to tell you no more because all you're doing is you're receiving judgment. If you don't know much, then you're not really judged. But the more you know, the more you're responsible for. And so I've even told people in churches, even in this church, when it first started, I said, please don't come to this church. If you're not going to live for God for real, don't come. Because all you're doing is condemning yourself. Because you're not responding to the Word of God. You're not receiving the Word of God. You're not being influenced by the Spirit and the Word of God. He continues on to say in verse 6, God will repay each one according to what he has done. Verse 7, to those who by persistence in doing good, this is one aspect of people, people who persist to do good and seek the glory, honor, and immortality of God, he will give eternal life. Simply what verse 7 says, if you seek the will of God, you're doing good. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be honored for, for that seeking, for that pursuit i just told the man today he says why is my family falling apart i said because you're not doing the will of god because the will of god is that no man should perish no family should be destroyed when we seek the will of god everything is being put together and when we're out of the will of god then we're losing our marriages we're losing our children so so one day my brother called me from santo domingo he says i don't know what's going on in my family i think it's falling apart i said you're not seeking the will of god because the will of God is that you don't get divorced. And if you guys seek the will of God, you guys are going to be together forever. And your children are going to have mom and dad forever. Because that's the will of God. And so those that are missing out on this is because they're not following. They're not pursuing the will of God. Verse 9, it says, no, verse 8. For those who are self-seeking, they have an eye problem. Me, myself, and I. And who reject truth. 
They don't want to hear what God says. There's no judgment, reincarnation. They follow evil, bless you. There will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does what's wrong and evil. First for the Jew, then the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace, verse 10, for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. Who is God? We know that God is a God who will come and judge. In 1 Peter 1.17, he says, Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, what are we supposed to do? Live out your time like if you were pilgrims on the earth. We're just, we're just going by. We're not here to stay. We're doing God's work and we're do, doing his bidding and going forward. He says, live in such a way that you conduct yourself uh, throughout the time that you're, you stay here in the fear of the Lord. Um, some, some man told me once, uh, I don't like going to your church. I don't like going to any church because you try to scare me. And you know what I told him? It worked for me. <laughs> I was scared, man. I want to go to heaven, you know. And, and if that's what it takes, that's a blessing. You know, I, I behaved with my father when I was a child because he would whip me. You know, he would, he would spank me. And so it worked. If, if, if the fear causes you to get closer to God and stop doing dumb things and evil things and disobedient things, hey, man, more power to you. And, and I told this man once, it, it, this is really, um, I told these, uh, every time I share on this principle, I say, why do you eat ice cream? Because it's good or bad. And then why don't you cross the road? Because you're going to get run over. You don't not cross the road because, uh, you know, philosophically, uh, educationally, uh, spiritually. No, 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 listen to me. You don't want to get run over. Simple and true. So if you are following Jesus Christ, and listening to the word of God and going to church because you don't want to go to hell, man, more power to you. That's, that's a blessing. And, and so that is what God desires. There's some people that say, I don't want to have to come to God because I'm scared. Well, I don't know. Then you're going to have to go to hell because you're not. And so that's scary. But, but God wants, and, and in, his, in his goodness, he tells us all these things uh, so that we will attend to this. If you read with me in Second uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 4, he says, listen, it's common sense. If God judged the angels in the times of Lucifer, and he judged the people in the times of Noah, and he's judged generations after that, Sodom and Gomorrah, God judges. And, and don't sit there and just say, oh, he did all that, but he's not going to do it now. Coming... Uh, no, it's not. It's Second Peter, Second Peter two four. For if God did not spare, He didn't say, "Ay, los angelitos." No, He says, "You are out of here." The judgment of God came on beautiful angels. He He didn't say, "Ay, they were so beautiful." I can't judge them. No, He did not spare the angels who sinned. He cast them down to a nice place, to hell. He didn't spare that. He's, he's, and there were his, his creation there. He didn't, he didn't uh, spare them. And he delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for good things, for judgment. The angels. The next verse, verse 5. And he did not spare the ancient world when he killed everybody on a flood, but he only saved Noah. He saved eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of 
all the ungodly. And then the next one he says, verse 6, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, turned the cities into ashes through fire, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who would afterwards live ungodly. How many, how many examples do we have so far? Angels, Noah, and Sodom. If God destroyed this, if God judged it, if God brought, if he, he weighed their hearts, if he examined them, and then it goes on to say that, that that was done for our example in verse 8. That righteous man living among them in that day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds. Uh, talking about uh, Lot in verse 7. He rescued Lot, a righteous man. He delivered him. Uh, dis- distressed by their depraved conduct. If this is so, verse 9. How many say it's so? This is so. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to, verse 9, rescue the godly from trials to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desires of the heart. Especially true, verse 10. Especially those who walk in the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise, say with me, authority. They are presumptuous. They're proud. They're pompous. They are, they are self-willed. They're not doing God's will. They're doing their own will. They are not afraid to speak of evil dignitaries. So God says these are the next ones that will suffer this judgment. This, these will be the next ones that will walk. You, you know what, what they say? Listen to their attitude in Second Peter 3. Verse 3, 2 Peter 3, 3. He says, knowing first that scoffers, mockers will come in the last days, walking not according to God's desire, but their own lust. Verse 4. Saying, he's not coming back. Where is his promise that he's coming? God's not coming back. They've been saying this story for all long. Man, they, they've been saying this since I was born, that God's coming, that he's going to judge the earth. It's not going to happen. And then it says in verse 5, for they willfully overlook or they forget that the heavens existed at one time and waters destroyed everything. And everything was destroyed, verse 6, through the flood. And it says, verse 7, the same word that called that flood to take place is the one that is reserving the earth, storing up fire for the day of judgment and destruction. Nevertheless, do not let this one fact escape. God is... Is, is taking his time because he wishes no one to, to perish. Verse 9, the Lord is not, he doesn't delay like he forgot something, but his patience towards us is he wills that no one should perish, but that all should turn, all should repent, all should get ready for this. And then he goes on to say, verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, the heavens will vanish with thunderous crash, and the material elements of the universe will dissolve with fire and the earth and the works that are upon it will be burned since all these things are true what kind of person should you ought to be since these things verse 12 back up one yeah there it is what manner of person ought you be in holy conduct and godliness how should we continue to move forward 
In verse 17, he says, We warn you, knowing this beforehand, that you should really be careful. You therefore, beloved, since you know this ahead of time. How, how sad we didn't know this until, you know, Jesus came into our life. Uh, your friends don't know this. They're out there and they're having a good time in their sin, in their rebellion. But we know this beforehand. What? Uh, beware lest you fall from your own steadfast being led away with a wicked, uh, with the error of the wicked. And so he says, let us be steadfast. In verse 18, let's continue to grow in grace. Listen to me. I, I want to tell you that while I came to Jesus because I didn't want to go to hell, I'm going to tell you tonight, I'm not here with Jesus because I'm scared. I'm in love with the Lord. So it's not that I'm, oh, I'm going to go to hell. No, no, no. I want to be with the Lord my whole eternity. I'm not here because I'm forced. I'm not scared. I'm not worried. I know He loves me. I, I, I've come to love Him. And in that regards, we all need to understand. Um, the Bible says like this, we will each give an account to Himself about God. I'm, I'm not going to stand there on that day and say, well, you know, Lord, you're going to have to talk to the Lord on that day because Romans 14, 12 says, each one of us will give an account of himself to God. You're not going to be able to say, the pastor didn't visit me or the pastor didn't call me. You're going to be responsible for yourself. For how you did it, what you did it, and there's going to be, that's Romans 14, 12. Fourteen, twelve. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. You're responsible for you. Nobody called me to go to church. They didn't pick me up. I was, I was reading uh, a couple of verses that I had added here. The secrets of the mind. The acts. What you do. Your secrets. Um... Psalm 50, uh, the attitude of some people is, since God hasn't done anything to me yet, I must be doing okay. And God says, look, just because I didn't do anything, you thought you were getting away with what you were doing. Here it goes. In verse 21, Psalm 50, verse 21. These things you have done, and you see the list of those things up on top. These things you have done, and I kept silent. And you thought that because I was silent, I was in agreement with you. But the time will come when I will rebuke you, and I will set all the things in order before your eyes. Now consider this, you who are absent-minded about God. You put God out of your mind. Lest I tear you to pieces, and there be no one to save you. For whoever offers praise glorifies me. And to him who puts his life in order... I will show salvation. So that, that's powerful. And God is calling us all to salvation. And we're all walking in that direction. Um, we can only live this life through His grace. It's not your strength. It's not your ability. Uh, the more you admit you can't, the more He helps you. But don't sit there doing evil and say what I'm doing is right. Don't sit there and rebel and say I'm okay. Because that's not, that's not going to invoke. God gives grace to the humble and He resists the proud. Let's stand tonight. As we give thanks to the Lord for the inspection gate. Remember as we teach these things, they're good for us, but they're also good that we could take to the world. We could take these realities. And we're living in an age where everybody wants to hear there's no judgment. There is, it's a kingdom without a judge. Uh, 
It's, it's uh, eternity and salvation, uh, sin without punishment. It's preachers without a calling to repentance. You know, what, what, what are we living nowadays? It's amazing. And grace is that substance that prepares us for His coming. If you read with me Titus 2.11, you see there that grace is that which has been given to all men that prepares you for that day of judgment. The more grace you have, the more grace you seek, the, the more sanctified and separated and, and, and ready you are to meet your Maker. Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God has appeared to all men, the grace that brings salvation, has appeared to all men, and it says, teaching us, the grace of God that brings salvation to, has appeared to all men, teaching us to get away from ungodliness, to quit pursuing worldly lust. I was thinking today, the more you're in the world, the more it calls you. How many say amen? This is, this is amazing. I've been a Christian now for 30 years, and, and if I were to be close to the world, and, and, and I would have the same desires inside of me towards the things of the world. So I want to get out of there. It says, worldly lust, so we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present age, getting ready for the blessed hope and glorious appearance of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we're, we're moved in these things. The grace of God should abound. And the more the grace of God is in our life, the more we take steps towards being right on the day of judgment, on the day that we're put in the balance. And, and I'm sure that God is faithful to do that which He has promised. Um, I want to see if I'm missing any major scenario, but I think we've covered it pretty thoroughly tonight. Uh, and, and it should. I hope tonight, uh, I forgot one verse, Matthew 12, 36. Every idle word that comes out of your mouth is going to be brought before you on that day of judgment. Uh, if the, the, the less you speak, the better it's going to go for you. Amen? And, and that's what I'm praying to God in my life also. Um, but I think, yeah, we were very thorough tonight, and, and that's God's grace also. God is good in allowing us to share all these things. Father, we thank you tonight for your goodness in this place. We give you thanks that we were able to revisit that powerful gate that you placed in Jerusalem, the inspection gate. And how important it is for us to know these things, Lord, so that we not live for this life alone, but the life to come. That on that day that we appear before your presence, Lord, you say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter ye into the rest of thy Lord. Father, we want you to forgive us our sins and to sanctify us with your word as you have done so tonight. And that this message would be received in all the world by all the churches, Lord. That we should consider the ways of the Lord. That we should examine ourselves. Father, that we should return and to live for you and be ready for your coming, Lord. We want to be sheep. We want to be wheat. We want to be the wise virgins, O oh God, with our lamps that are shining bright, filled with oil, your presence, Lord, your Holy Spirit intimately speaking to our lives. Wash us and cleanse us. And we give you thanks for this evening that we have had tonight, Lord. You've given us another opportunity to straighten our hearts, Lord, and purify our hands and, and turn our hearts towards you, O oh God. Bless your church, Lord. Bless the people of God everywhere, Lord. That we might be about your business, that which you have put in our hearts to do, that we might do it with all of our strength, O oh God. So on that day, we don't have to regret the fact that we bought a horse or a car or a house or did things, Lord, 
that were outside of your priority, Lord. Let us be faithful to you and you alone. This we pray in Jesus' name and the people of God say amen.